Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Kyle Jest. It's October 2017. My favorite holiday is just around the corner. That can only mean one thing. Welcome to the Laps Spooky Telling Podcast. <laughs> this very true story. It happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Whether it's a Halloween special or the usual show, consider supporting what I do here. Because new episodes, they're only made possible by my patrons at patreon.com slash the laps. This show simply would not happen without you. It would cease to exist. If you're able to donate even $5 as a thank you, you'll get episodes way before anyone else, more than a week in advance. You'll get access to a dozen different minisodes, including a little video I shot where I elaborate on the 3,000 unmarked bodies that are sitting across from my apartment. Did not happen to a friend of a friend of mine. You can do that at patreon.com slash the laps. Speaking of which, this true story. It was written by a friend of a friend of mine, Michael Lutz, an exceptional author of interactive horror, and this is one of my all-time, all-time favorites. After this episode is done, make sure you stay tuned because I'm going to give you the link so you can actually play the interactive version of this story for yourself. It's well worth your time. We call this one, My Father's Long, Long Legs. See with your ears. This is The Lapse. I retain only a single clear memory before the changes. Before my father forsook sunlight forever. I'm sitting at the bottom of the wooden stairs that lead down to our basement. Ahead in the dimness stands my father, up to his waist now in the hole. My family lives on the southern edge of a Midwest industrial city in an old house, old enough that its basement still has a dirt floor. I might not be old enough to openly question a parent's behavior, but I'm certainly old enough to recognize its oddness. Still in his dark blue uniform from the factory, skin and fabric blackened by machinery and further smudged now by the damp earth, I watch father with the satisfaction of a child who sees in his parent a well of limitless capability. Upstairs, my mother calls out that dinner is done. My father takes one last shovel of earth, turns it over to the side of the excavation, and in a single incredible motion, steps out of the hole by pressing the sole of his boot to the tip of the pit, moving his whole body upward. He walks past me up the stairs. To this day, I can clearly conjure the image of my father's long, long legs striding over me as he emerged from the hole, the one he'd soon devote years digging beneath our house. Apart from him, there are three of us. My mother, my younger brother, and myself. There's a lot about my mother I don't understand. She admits that she first found my father attractive because of how unusual he was. He was always a tall, angular man, as the remaining pictures of him suggest. This project began when my brother was a year old. Father came home, pulled a brand new shovel from the back of his pickup truck, and descended into the basement where he began to dig. At first, he told Mom he was preparing to put down a cement floor, eventually part of a full or partial renovation of the house. And at that age, the movements of adults were still largely mysterious to me. So I don't know when or how she came to the conclusion. But at some point, my mother realized his motive was untrue. I'm watching my mother and father have a conversation, and he tells her that they need to go to the basement to discuss the matter closer to its source. 
We watched them shut the door behind them. Hours go by. Still we wait. My brother cries most of that night. Me, I just lie in bed, pressing a pillow against my ear. The next day, my mother reappears, quietly prepares our meals, and locks herself in her bedroom. Father returns home, but only commences digging once again. For his part, he stops sleeping in the same bedroom as my mother, instead taking to the basement, a decision which coincides with the first signs of his metamorphosis. The changes come slow, but I can see them. Maybe it's the change in skin tone, or how slender he's become. Ribs, gnarled flesh. He seems taller somehow. As if, as if his height has increased in proportion to the depth of his project in the basement. Mom puts my brother into free school and sends me to a latchkey program while she works to support us. But in contrast to my father, she grows darker. Smaller, somehow. Now, my brother was young enough that when my father started digging for him, today, it's just a fact of life. My father, having lost his job at the factory, spends nearly all day in the basement, only emerging to eat or to use the toilet. Of course, my brother, young as he is, sees nothing wrong with inviting his friends to our house, even taking them down to the basement to see what he calls, after father's example, the renovations. My brother, now seven, has his friend over, a friend of his from a religious family. I can hear the crying from down the hall. My brother looks up as I approach, at a loss for how to deal with his weeping companion. The two boys stand outside the door to the basement, which they've left ajar. His friend explains to my brother and I that our father's project in the basement is deeply unnatural. He's tasty, he says. Only once I managed to get him to look at me. You're going to hell. That's where he's digging to down there. He's digging to hell. You're all going to hell. My brother doesn't invite as many classmates over these days. I doubt I'll ever invite anyone down to see the renovations again. had another nightmare. I say, I don't know. But is that what dad is digging to? There's no such place. And why is dad digging? My brother's out with friends, now realizing the awkwardness that results from bringing visitors to our home. Mom has locked the door to her room and apparently gone to bed. Father, of course, is laboring in the basement. I'm in the living room, doing homework and watching TV. And there's a knock at the door. The man on the porch is squat, but dressed neatly in a suit, coat, and hat, a pair of very small spectacles perched on the end of his nose. Who are you? 
I leave the man on the porch and lock the door behind me. With my mother largely unresponsive these days, I have only one option. Hello? Father? He doesn't respond. Though I think, faintly, I can hear the sound of his digging. Looking back at the front door through the pebbled glass, the rotund figure of the man who claims to be my uncle still waits. I descend the wooden stairs into the basement. The only light, as always, comes from a single bulb that dangles from the ceiling. My father's learned to operate in these conditions, but for me, the lack of illumination casts the labyrinth below in a mess of confusing and contradictory paths. I turn to the void and call once more for my father. Hello? Still no response. Father first attempted to dig straight down, but as the years went on, he... He elaborated. From there, he hollowed out the basement into one long, looping path, threading and bending around itself like viscera, what must be 15 feet deep. I stand on the bottommost stair, the last I feel still properly belongs to our house. But I'm sure, sure of it, I can hear the sound of Father's shovel, so I call for him again, this time with an explanation. There's a man at the door? He says he's my uncle. The sound of digging stops. I stand and I wait. And my father emerges from his maze, unfolding himself, his pale skin, the rags of his clothing, everything gray with soil, including, including the most peculiar thing. The corners of his mouth are much, much darker than the rest of him. Hmm. Father rumbles, not quite asking a question. My brother Showman. Stranger, my uncle who smells of sour milk, is elated. I lead him down the basement stairs. His agitation only grows with every step, nearly gibbering when he spots my father at full height. He must be eight or nine feet now. I know it's time to leave, so I ascend the stairs. But as I do, I listen for the visitor's remarks. I never again see the man who claims to be my uncle either that day or any day after. In the early days, when I'd sit on the stairs and watch him work, my father gave me dozens of flippant reasons for his project. A spare bedroom, searching for buried treasure, digging for dinosaur bones. When my brother's religious friend posed the same question, he told me, our father had something else to say. This is not the real world. What we think of as the real world is just a layer of dirt coagulated, kicked around the core of the universe. And what is dirt? It's matter. 
you know, inert matter, dead weight. The remains of those who came and went before us, pressing down upon creation with their waste. There was a time when human beings were giants. We walked upon a small earth, tiny. But now that earth has grown fat, hateful with our soil. Now we've grown small. Starting here, what you're witnessing right now, I am scraping away the sediment of our coagulated filth. We will return to our original glory. My father digs uninterrupted in the basement for at least a decade. And once I start high school, he doesn't even leave the basement to join us for dinner. Then my mother leaves him. Father is sufficiently enveloped in his life's task that uh, well, there's no need to replay the arguments from my childhood. Whatever desire he once had to keep his home with him has apparently fallen away, lost in the depths of that pit. On the day we finally moved out, father never left the basement. There were no goodbyes. I often wonder if he could have fit through the doorway. He was so, so tall. It's been years now. A lot of years. Our father's been left alone for slightly longer than we'd lived with him, which I suppose is why my brother practically begged me to go back with him, to put his mind at ease and to check up on our father. I appreciate the sentiment, but I think it's misplaced. I told him that there's no way and that I was done, that I had grieved already and that I was not going back into that hole. I urged him not to go. I really did. Now my greatest fear is that my brother's gone alone. And no matter how many times I call, he doesn't answer. I just can't leave him alone. Our hometown is considerably less industrial than it used to be. The taste of it is everywhere, laced in the water and in the air. Up and down the block, the houses stand weathered and, I think, empty. Beneath me, the sidewalk is buckled, thick protrusions of sickly weeds like fingers reaching out into the potholed street. The only sign that anyone has been here at all is a car, just one. My brother's car parked outside our old home. Doors are locked. Windows rolled up. I put my hand in the hood. Cold. Apart from that, I have no way of guessing how long it's been here. Ahead, the house awaits. Doesn't seem much different from the rest of the buildings, scraped to the bones by the elements. Windows are gone, not even slivers of glass remaining, and the porch is now concave, just a pool for stagnant rainwater. The front door stands open at an angle, its lowermost hinge rusted and snapped. Stepping carefully on the rotten porch, I slip inside and find myself in our old living room. The floor is littered with trash and chunks of plaster that have dropped from the ceiling. Television's gone too, though a lighter patch on the wallpaper marks its former location. On the other end, the couch has collapsed, now a vessel for whatever mold or fungus lives in there. Ahead of me is the central hallway, 
and I can see the door to the basement. It isn't there. Ben? I call out my brother's name and pause for a moment, peering into unremitting darkness. Of course, the power is out. It was probably disconnected long ago. On the floor, just outside of the basement entrance, is a flashlight. My brother's? It definitely seems new. I flick it on and point it down into the basement, but it isn't enough to reveal more than the foot of the stairs. What lies beyond, I can't say. Ben, are you there? No response. If the basement is anything like I'd last seen it, my brother could have easily gotten hurt. Why did he leave his flashlight? For all I know, just beyond the stairs is my brother, unconscious and bleeding. Believe me, I don't want to go down there. Armed with the flashlight, I move into the basement. The stairs crack beneath my feet. I reach the bottom. When the flashlight returns only a slope heading deeper into the house, I discover that in the decades since we left, my father's done quite the work. I move down. Ben? Only my own breathing echoes back. I walk further into the darkness. Ben? Nothing but darkness. I follow the sound of digging. I walk to the left. Chambers of barren earth. Ben? I walk to the right. I walk to the right. I follow the sound of digging. Now I'm going in circles. How can I even tell? Try a downward sloping path to the left. Further, further, further into the darkness. I walk to the right. I walk to the left. The right. Around me, nothing but darkness. Ben? Follow the closest turn in the path. I call my brother's name. Ben! I take a deep breath. The paths my father has eaten through this earth stretch out in every direction. How long have I been down here? I turn to the right. How long have I been down? I follow the sound of digging. Where is my brother? There's no sign of my brother. There's no sign of my brother. In the distance, the sound of shuffling does not break, as if the digger does not know or does not care that I am here. Ben! I did not find my brother. I don't know what to tell mom. It's true. I gave up looking. But only when I saw what lived there. What had been living there for all these years. What had grown there. I ran. I ran. I ran from the basement. Somehow, by my own luck or by some other's design, I made it out of that darkness. But my brother has not. There's a chance, I think, that my brother is still alive. A 
don't you dare think for a second that that guilt doesn't follow me every day. But no matter how much guilt I bear, no matter how heavy a conscience I may have, it is outweighed by the terror I experienced when I came face to face with the result of Father's attempted renovations on this rotten world. I once told my brother there's no such thing as hell. I still believe that to be true. But wherever my little brother is now, I wonder, has he grown as tall as father? again was written by a friend of a friend of mine, Michael Lutz. You can read more of Michael's work at correlatedcontents.com as well as catch him on Twitter at WarrenIsDead. Play My Father's Long Long Legs. I highly, highly encourage it. It'll give you a whole new perspective on the ending you just heard. Believe me, show description for a direct link to that. Thank you so much to my executive level patrons for making this show well, uh, Dave, David Gaddy, Priya Punwani, Matthew Gibson, Bren McDonald, Leslie Miller, Cindy Crines, Rolcom, and Lorinda Green. You too, if you're listening to this right now, you can make the lapse an ongoing reality. It cannot subsist on doing this without your support. Visit patreon.com slash the lapse. You do check it out. Have a look. If you donate $10 or more, I will personally write you a handwritten letter and mail it to your house. Personally, love getting mail in the mail. It's a it's a rare thing these days. So, I do try and make every letter unique to the person I send it to. Have a look.com slash the laps. Have a story to share. Of course, you can get in touch with me at stories at the laps.org. You can also follow me direct on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the laps podcast. Pal Jest, and this was the laps. Thank you Thanks. so much for listening. <laughs>